Hello, this is Nick Parker, welcoming you to the X-Zone UK podcast and the 14th episode of the Yellow King Blues. In this file, we'll hear from Special Agent Justin Hawkeye-Pierce, who is clearly feeling the strain of the challenge ahead and the pressure as the countdown towards Steno's critical in conjunction draws inexorably closer. As you'll probably remember from our last episode, the team are following up on the leads given to them by disgraced former District Attorney John Edwards. This took them west of New Orleans into St. Charles and Iberia parishes and into an investigation into Steno's attorney, Charles H. Dupont. The Sheriff's Office in Iberia Parish had been investigating the discovery of a mass grave containing the remains of ten young men unearthed by the passage of Hurricane Katrina. Dupont became a person of interest as his property, some 30 miles east of the gravesite, was the first one you would come to in an otherwise uninhabited bayou swampland. The detective on the case, Dave Burke, had established the identity of several of the dead who all came from the small towns of either Henderson or Brobridge before the case was suddenly taken from the Sheriff's Department and handed to the State Police under the orders of none other than John Edwards, where it appears to have gone cold. Agent Summers and Agent Devereux interviewed the mother of two of the dead men, the Bow brothers, at her home in Bro Bridge, where they also met Jeanette Lafarve, a former classmate of the Bow Boys, and saw the trappings of Santeria, a Christian cult that transposed Christian saints onto the voodoo lowers worshipped in that faith. After a strange encounter which apparently had a major impression on Special Agent Devereux, Jeanette Lafarve invited the whole team to meet with her mother, Mama Marie, a Santero, or Priest of the Faith. Over then to Hawkeye Pierce to pick up the story in file 24, dated Saturday, December the 13th, 2008. Terrible Thursday leads into Black Friday that turns into shit Saturday. Fuck only knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So we're 33 days away from Steno's big to-do... Can I get any piss face at Delta Green to give us even more so much as a reach around? Can I fuck? So much for Anderson's much vaunted solid green line. I get the feeling after all that's happened recently that the green line is a bit more dotted or best wavy. Either way, it's not a whole lot of goddamn use to those at the sharp end. And the sharp end is kind of where the action's been for the past day or so. Thursday night started with a field trip to collect samples of the crew's marketing flyers for analysis. That's crew with a K, of course. Doc Keel's analysis back in the field office's labs is still processing, but apparently the ink is some kind of funky mix of animal blood and other shit that's luminous and notably yellow in certain lights. Analysis of the paper stock shows it to be old, as in not manufactured since Eisenhower was in office, and it looks like an old printing press was used to make them. None of your laser copying for magical flyers, naturally. So Terrible Thursday leads into Black Friday that turns into Shit Saturday. Fuck only knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So, we're 33 days away from Steno's big to-do. And I can I get any piss face at Delta Green to give us even more than a reach around? Yeah, can I fuck? So much for Anderson's much-vaunted solid green line. I get the feeling after all that's happened recently that that green line is more a dotted one or at best wavy. Either way, it's not a whole lot of goddamn use to those of us at the sharp end. 
and the sharp end is kind of where the action has been at for the past day or so. Thursday night started with a field trip to collect samples of the crew's marketing flyers for analysis. Doc Keel's analysis back in the field office's labs is still processing, but apparently the ink is some kind of funky mix of animal blood and other shit that's luminous and notably yellow in certain lights. Analysis of the paper shows it to be old stock, as in not manufactured since Eisenhower was in office, and it looks like an old printing press was used to make them. Well, yeah, for sure. None of your laser copying from magical flyers, naturally. I was in the rack when Frost called me with news of unwelcome visitors. Black guys in a black limo that looked like the offspring of a Cadillac fused with a Batmobile stationed across from his residence. He opted to trail them, a near-fatal decision as it turned out. They led him up to the lakeside and onto a stretch of largely deserted highway where the lake mist swirled in to give them cover, and that's where Frost lost sight of their taillights. He pulled over to look for them while they somehow managed to double back on him and shunted his car down the bank and into the poncha train. Frost was found on the bank and was technically dead when fire and rescue arrived, but they managed to resuscitate him, which is a lucky break for us. On the way to him, both Wilmot and I managed to total our cars. Okay, I may have been a little slow in my reactions, given the fact that I was tired and, as they say, a little emotional. Oh, okay, very emotional. Okay, I was wrecked. Just like my car. I'm not sure what Wilmot's excuse was. I guess he's just a shit driver when he's not in a tank. But from my perspective, that invisible white rabbit that leapt out in front of my car, <laughs> it was huge. The cops weren't having any of it the next morning, though. Like I need lectures from flat-footed fucks who should be in barber school. I got a DUI charge, although my savior Devlin reckons it can be buried as an unfortunate byproduct of an undercover operation gone wrong. Thanks, boss. I always said you were stand-up. For a weasel-ass motherfucker, that is. Now, I wasn't the only one helping the authorities with their inquiries. Frost had some arson investigator from New Orleans Fire Department checking up on the fire that began in little Tommy's apartment block. Killed two of his neighbors. Yeah, why do elderly couples always live upstairs? The hum's name was O'Connor, and he gave Frost the third degree on storing something very flammable in his apartment. Unlike me, Tom didn't get charged, but the look that O'Connor had in his face clearly indicated he thought Frosty's shoe collection was laced with gasoline. Again, Devlin was making all of our problems go away, shooing O'Connor off and putting us all on medical leave. Me for a cracked rib, and Frost for trying to drink the leg dry. Friday, special agent, very special agent, Cecile Devereaux, decided to chuck a sickie, which, given all that had been going on, just about broke the straw on my camel's back. Armageddon nears and she's taking a duvet day? Sheesh, give me a break. Actually scrapped that. Poor choice of words. Well, we decided to do some digging, just in case a black limo had fucked her up the ass, too. We checked mobile phone records and established that she had been in Iberia while all the vehicular fun and games had been going on on Thursday night. We also checked the logs for the number she dialed when coming back from Iberia with Beverly in the afternoon. Turned out to be a satellite phone of the serious variety, registered to none other than ex-Special Operations Group leader Mike Hamblin. 
That makes me think that she probably was being fucked that night, but not by the Zoboppers. Our concerns were put to rest when she popped back out of the woodwork and checked in with Chief around lunchtime on Friday. Nice to see she could give a rat's ass. I think Chief might have expressed some of our team's concerns at her no-show, but whether it had any impact on her, I don't yet know. Friday night rolled around and we started to work late, an operative safety and numbers policy, with Frost hunkering down with Wilmot in a safe house, at least initially. I got a lot of guns at home, so I chose to stay there. Apparently, Wilmot went off to meet with Summers later in the evening to compare USMC tattoos, and that's when our bad guys struck again. The black limo followed them home, and a confrontation ensued. Apparently, they were there to deliver a get-out-of-town message invoking some voodoo loa named Baron Samity. But unfortunately, they got served in return, courtesy of a Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum, wielded by a private investigator named Cassius Perdue. Wilmot and Summers are adamant that he blew one of the black car crew's brains out, but by the time the cops came, there was no body. Perdue said he'd been hired by Romano Farina to keep an eye out for us. I'm still trying to word that one through. So to Saturday, where I woke up with a sore stomach and a need for better painkillers. The plan is to get our asses down to Iberia Parish and check this Mama Marie Lafarve out. Chief spent some time on the phone with our sheriff down in Iberia Parish talking about Mama Marie. She's a charlatan, that's the sheriff's interpretation, and she has a bait store down near Bayou Tesh, close to the Atakpas Reserve, where the mass grave was found. Yeah, the other folks spend Saturday mornings with newspapers and beignets, whilst we seek out people to annoy. That's your modern tax dollars at work, folks. You know what? Hoover would be proud. Well, it certainly sounds as if Steno's mob are not taking things lying down. But has the Edwards breakthrough brought more trouble than the team expected? I can tell you, dark days lie ahead, as you'll discover next time on the Yellow King Blues. We'll see you then, and as always, thanks for listening.